The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We are joining you here today with two pigs because we are going to be talking about females in season, and Scott thought that this was a nice opening scene. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. I'm going to go with the blue. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. My quirky tip of the day is... If you have a female that goes into heat, um, females are supposed to go into heat pretty regularly, like every six months. Or if you have one that's not spayed. Yes, or one that uh, is not spayed that you think might go into heat. If you're going to get those little pants, right, like to put on the dogs, pet coal, sell Di- them. Diapers. Diapers, all these kinds of things. Don't order from a place that doesn't like have you provide measurements. So I like Cody's Haven. She's actually sold over 20,000 items on um, Etsy. So she's an Etsy seller. But she has these really nice um, pants that you can size nicely, that fits nicely on the dog's tail, a bunch of different patterns. And she sells really nice belly bands also. If part of the reason that you have issues with females in heat is males marking, you can put a belly band on them. So that's my quirky tip of the day. It's a nice diaper cover. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, you can just, and then, yeah, people are asking about that. I just put like a feminine pad inside and then pull it out and just change them out. But for the most part, if my dogs are in a crate, they keep themselves clean. And then if they're out and about, we don't want that all over. So we, it looks like one of those sumo wrestling outfits. Oh boy, here we go. go All right. So we have intact females. We have intact males. We do this whole situation. Yeah, our house has always had an intact female in it, I think, ever since I've known you. Yeah. Pretty darn close. And um, part of the reason that we want to talk about... The joys of having intact females. <laughs> yeah, then we want to talk about this today because what happened this week was AKC is not allowing um, bitches in season to compete. So these pants that I showed you are something that it is the owner's responsibility to get their girls like accustomed to wearing these, be able to move okay with these and everything else. But AKC is not allowing uh, bitches in season to even compete wearing pants because of how it affects the males. Yeah, and I learned a lot more than I cared to know about bitches in heat <laughs> when I was doing nose work and detection work for, you know, with the police and then for sport. Yeah. Because, uh, and uh, one story I heard, which I thought was interesting, is that uh, that scent from a female in heat um, can last for several months mm-hmm. in, on one spot. Okay. So it's a, a big uh, distraction for dogs that are yes. doing detection work. Yeah, definitely. And we actually have taken, well, Scott, when he was competing in French Ring, um, we travel to do that mostly. Like there's not like trials within an hour to be able to do, you know, French Ring titling and everything else. So since there were so few trials, we knew that maybe, you know, there would be a bitch in heat in on the field accidentally or if someone didn't know or someone lied or maybe just at the showgrounds. So we would train through this as a distraction. So that point about the estrus lasting and stuff for a while is true because we would actually take a cotton swab and swab my girls when they were in season and then freeze it and use that as a training distraction. Yeah, and unlike uh, AKC with um, the protection sports, they typically have an open field day, uh, at least all the trials I've been to, where the day before you can 
well with French ring, I'll say specifically. The day before, you can go and familiarize your dog with the field, and you can use the jumps, and you can just uh, allow your dog to get familiar with that with that training field, which is a nice um, a nice thing to be able to take advantage of. But if you've had a dog in heat on that field the day before, mm-hmm. that scent is going to be there on trial day. Yeah, and the dogs need to be able to work through it. So in our um, professional opinion, we would say that dogs in season are just another distraction. And we're going to talk about this today from a few different perspectives. And I know this is a hot topic and I am sorry if any of you out there who do have males who feel as though it's unfair do get offended. Every organization makes their own choice with what they think is best and what they hear from their members and everything else. But there's a lot of different dog sports. This is handled a very different way in every other dog sport and every in even organizations within dog sports, like in agility right now in USDAA, females in season can run in pants, but they can in AKC and they're on the show's grounds and everything else. So this is something that is becoming more mainstream and it's got a little bit of a political thing to it too, but that's okay. We're not going to go so much there. All right. So we talked about how we store the stuff for us and we use it as a distraction. What else do you think as far as like when we have dogs and heat in our house, like how do things change? Is there a different energy in the house? Like how do we deal with that? All that. Well, it seems to be different with all the dogs. I mean, my border collie doesn't seem to be very affected by it. Mm -hmm. My Malinois definitely, his temperament, everything about him changes. Um, Not to the point where he can't work, but it is a big distraction. I will say that my first Malinois I had was completely... Scott knows a lot more oh about dogs God. now, too, than he used to back then, he, but that um, dog was a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, and then I had a um, an English Mastiff that went into heat. So here we have a 140-pound dog going into heat, which is... A little hu- messy. ...human size, you know? <laughs> and my Malinois was... He was so friggin' crazy, howling, inconsolable. If he was loose, I had the the Mastiff in a crate he would run over and lay next to that crate and you had to just drag him, pick him up and pull him away from that crate. He was so attached to that dog. He wanted to and make I had to actually, Mastiff Malinois babies. Uh, you know, for lack of, you know, and I didn't have a lot of experience at that time. I took him and put him out in my car in a crate to sleep for a couple, you know, until this thing passed because he was just so difficult because of that dog being in heat. I mean, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. And there's something to be said for He wasn't like, really ready to compete. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> this was a long, long time ago. Scott's gotten, he's really honed in his skills um, since then. But really the interesting part of this is like dogs may like not want to eat or something. They may go off food for a couple days if there's a dog in heat or something else then you're going to make some adjustments like Scott did. He put his dog in the car to sleep so he didn't howl overnight. You can put, you don't have to feed your dog next to a, you know, female's crate in heat. But when we're talking about specifically working, like obedience, rally, hunting, um, dock diving, agility, all of these different sports, fly ball that we're talking about, what I would argue is for those of you who say, you know, oh, well, it's not just a distraction. It's totally different. It's this primal, like, sexual thing that the dogs are experiencing. It's different than any distraction. Then show me your dog running with a package of hot dogs loose on the field because that's something that we do in French Ring also is there's actually, like, food on the field that the dogs have to ignore the whole time. Clearly, they're not using, wearing any equipment in trials. And at the higher levels, the dogs are on the field for up to, what, 45 minutes? Sure. Yeah. And so- I will say, you know, with my limited experience with PSA, they have multiple decoys on the field where the dog biting a decoy is, seems to be the most intense, yeah. the most gratifying thing that dog could imagine 
And now you have two or three people yeah. that he can't bite on the field. And they got to work through that, which is a huge distraction yeah. for these dogs. So, you know, if you're going to use it that, oh, like it's just, you know, distraction training. Now, granted, most sports, you don't trial with food on the ground. Like, I understand that. It's very sterile when you trial for obedience and, you know, agility is noisier and everything else. But I, I understand that there's rules and like, yes, you can't have food in the ring on the show sites. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be training in a training setup with food out. Maybe it's in a container that the dog couldn't access, like in nose work, when a lot of people will drill holes in the top of a Tupperware or whatever. So the dog might be able to smell the hot dog, but not access it. We've done, we've had a ton of different contraptions when we're training because we don't want the dog to have success on a French ring field when we're training, actually getting the food. So there's different ways you can do it. Another distraction that may come up is what about toys? Like if your dog is a dog that just loves the dumbbell for obedience, right? Like, oh my God, so excited. Your dog should be able to sit there, see the dumbbell be thrown and then have a tennis ball fly through or another dumbbell fly through or something like that. Like these are just basic proofing training situations. Should that ever happen in a trial? No, Do people get a little bit crazy sometimes with their throws and one lands in your ring? Yes. So why not train through this as a distraction? A good example of that is we would do retrieves uh, at the decoy's feet with a protection dog that wants to bite the decoy. Now all of a sudden he's he's set up. He thinks it's a a face attack or it's some type of biting exercise. And we pull out the uh, retrieve item and throw it at the decoy and tell the dog to retrieve the the, uh, retrieve item. And... Most dogs will fail in training when you do that in the beginning because they're just not thinking about that uh, retrieve yeah. item. You know? And these are these are choices that you need to make within training. And I think it was Forrest Mickey. And I'm not trying to make this too protection-y or anything else, but this is just where we come from because we have trained through this specifically for this exact issue because the few trials that we hit, we didn't want to be caught off guard and have a problem. But like Forrest Mickey would say, you know, if I show up to train my dog in ring or in protection or whatever you want to call it, and the dog's too excited about the decoy to play with me, or the dog's too excited about the decoy to eat food from me, that dog isn't biting the decoy anymore. <laughs> like, like yeah. the, and, and we're the same way. Like I, uh, all of our protection, like red dogs, granted the border collie isn't as genetically as strong and driven to do this sport as uh, Cousteau was, but all of those dogs, if they will not eat a dry carrot. Like I don't have to give them freaking filet mignon. If they will not eat a dry carrot in front of the decoy, they're not going to bite the decoy. Like that's a starting point right there that if, oh, well, he can't eat because he's too excited. Oh, well, he can't do this because he's too excited. He's too overdrive, everything else. Train through that. Like that moment that your dog said, no, thanks. I'd rather do this. And you said, okay, this won't work as a reward anymore. I'll just let you do what you want to do. You lost a certain level of control. So those little fights early on, if you want to call it fights, struggles, whatever. Yeah, challenges for sure. Yeah, they're important and they're important to work through. And I totally get that you get to training and you're like, I want to train and everything else. You need to have it in you and you need to work with a proper training team and everything else in that kind of a setting that if you are going to show up to practice and you're going to pay your fee and everything else, you say, you know what, I'm going to spend the same amount of money and I'm just going to work through my own stuff. You can just sit there and drink Gatorade. Like you don't well, even need the decoy to be doing anything. It would be a much more productive training yeah. uh, time for you and your dog. And a lot of people are afraid they're going to break the dog, break the exercise, you know, they want, because in a perfect scenario, the dog is doing really well, but that gets into pattern training yes, too, where, yes. you know, on their home field, everything's set up perfectly. The dog's great. They go to a trial, the dog falls apart. Yeah. It's because little things are different. The dog's looking around. Wow. Look at all yeah. this different stuff. Yeah. When you pattern train, like, and it looks different, the pattern looks different. You always send the dog for go outs, you know, to the freaking stanchion. And then you get to a show and there's a rope there. 
People that train and they generalize behavior are more successful at those shows. And it's not the venue's fault that they don't use what everybody else uses. Like we're catering to the competitors in such a way that like, we're just making this so sterile. And then whatever the dogs look like in the ring, and this is a separate topic, but it's worth noting, just coming home with 18 ribbons from that weekend doesn't necessarily matter if you can't even walk the dog on a loose leash into the building and out of the building. Like if the dog is only behaving within those confines of this ring and, you know, that's the only time that you feel like you guys are connecting and it needs to be so sterile for that to happen, some pet dog obedience could be a good idea. Well, that's when it gets into really competing more for your own ego than for the sake of training the dog and enjoying the actual training. Yeah. A lot of people, they everybody needs to get a ribbon, yeah. you know? Everybody <laughs> needs to get a trophy. And uh, I remember in the nose work, when I was involved in that, there would be food out there, not intentionally, but when... People the, would leave it, when, yeah. No, when they found the... Um, the odor. The odor, and they would reward... But they're like trickle down. There would be crumbs. There could be crumbs at the base of a tire Mm -hmm. where on a vehicle where the other previous people, you know, had rewarded their dog. So now a a dog that is really into food might just go and eat crumbs and stop searching. Yeah. And for that, that's because you can reward in a trial, right? That's the point of that. At that point. Yeah. Yeah. Early on on in nose work, you could still like reward. We don't, I don't know. But these are the types of things. So like this is a trial setting. There's little crummies there. The dog has to choose the odor instead of the crummies, you know, and. And this, sorry to interrupt you, but even with uh, my clients doing um, pet dog stuff now, uh, this is a huge uh, problem where. They, the dog, they want to reward the dog for sitting. Great. With a, with a treat. The dog doesn't get the treat. Uh, accidentally, it falls on the ground. They let the dog break the sit and start eating the food off the ground. Yeah. If, the dog, if my dog doesn't get the treat, for some reason, he misses it. He's defaulting to me immediately, hoping to get another one. He knows he doesn't eat the one off yeah, the ground. Yeah, or they look to us like, oh, will you release me to that one for sits, down, staying on a bed, all of those things, like same rules apply. So if you have some of these things that are kind of not as tight as they could be within your training, then you have some places to go back and work on things before you introduce bitches in season as a distraction. But distraction training is not done that frequently anymore. And it, our training is kind of getting more and more diluted, it seems like, over more time. More sterile. Sterile environment. Sterile environment and just less, like, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really competed for a while. So, like, when I talk about competing in Frisbee and agility, I'm talking, like, 20 years ago. Like, legitimately at this point, 20 to 15. But back in the day, like, it wasn't wow. just complete chaos. You like were, That's I, back when you were, like, six years old you were competing. <laughs> which is not six years old. I'm getting too old for Scott. But it was not as chaotic as things seem to be now. Like, when I go to shows and everything now, dogs are more stressed. Dogs are pulling more. They're out of their minds more. They're just not in the right headspace. You know what I mean? There's almost like this sweet spot that you want to get them so they can think and they can process well and everything else. And truly, I think part of that is not just because of how these dogs are being bred, but we're not placing the dogs in that headspace. Like as pet dog trainers, that is our job Every time we interact with a dog for class or for a boot camp or anything else, we need to get the dog in the right headspace to be able to think and be able to exist in his own skin. And I feel like we do that more frequently than anything else these days. Sure, yeah, with the very basics. Yeah. Yeah, and if you introduce these distractions early on, and I don't mean putting them right in the dog's face so that the dog is failing, but if you don't have a sterile training environment, the dog is learning to work around a bunch of stuff, whether it could be little kids on, on trikes moving around. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about a protection dog that's going to tear a kid off a bike. 
but I'm talking about the sound of the bicycle yeah. on a pavement or a skateboard, for example. Yeah. You're training and someone brought their kids and their kids are bored, so they're out playing with a skateboard on the yeah. side. Get that's creative. stuff that the dog's got to work through. You Get know? creative. And, and those dogs will do great. And then the dogs that are in a real sterile environment, when something's different. Yeah. And at, at, they fall you know, apart. They it's unravel. It's a distraction. Whatever it is, it's a distraction. Yeah. And, right. and dog and heat is a distraction. Let's go to break super quick, and then we'll talk more when we get back. Does your dog lack self-control? Are you looking for some answers? Would you like your dog to be calmer? Does your dog lack confidence? Canine MindShift. Enroll in a free course today. Simply go to caninemindshift.com. That's caninemindshift.com. Okay, we're back. So another thing that came up quite frequently on these threads, and this all stemmed from a big Facebook post um, that Frankie Joris did. She was on our podcast for service dog training and everything else. And she had like 300 shares. It was crazy. And the, the gist of this post, the last paragraph of this post is that people mention that when one has an intact bitch, missing trials is just something one should learn to accept. I would think that in this day and age, we could start to think that when one has an intact male, teaching him impulse control is something one should learn to accept. We should be long past the time of saying boys will be boys, whether human or canine. So, and I, I believe that in that too. I, we're talking about this as professional well, dog trainers. This is distraction training. This is what we have to be conscious of. And another thing that popped up was, well, what about wildlife? Like this is another drive, you know, dogs that are bred to be ratting things and chasing things up trees and everything else. Like how could a dog work around wildlife? And if they do work around wildlife, they must be getting hit with, you know, a lot of compulsion and that's the only way they can work through it. And ironically, um, there's a trainer that lives near us. Her name is Bridget Dietz. They own Fox Hill Farm Dog Training. And if you look at Bridget's TikTok, she spells it kind of funny. It's B-R-I-G-I-T-T-E, and then her last name, Dietz, D-E-I-T-Z. It's her birthday today, too, by the way. So happy birthday, Bridget. Happy birthday, Bridget. <laughs> but there's a Woo! video of a dog that they were working with, and I don't know if it's their dog or not, and they were doing blinds for Schutzen, and there's literally a herd of goats, like, walking up the field. It, it's literally hilarious. And the dog leaves the person, goes to the decoy, doesn't run to the goats, and have to have a big thing. That's distraction training. That's real world distraction training. And shout out to Bridget for letting us use her field for blinds also because we went over there and did blinds once our neighbors got pissed off. So you have to consider all of these different things that are popping up and really take a hard look at yourself. And this is what happens a lot of times with dog training and it's tricky is it's self-reflection. And it's sometimes hard to look at ourselves and our weaknesses and everything else. But if there are weaknesses in your training when it comes to balls being around your certain sport, food being around your certain sport, everything else, then if you improve on those things, then you could start using bitches in season as a distraction as well. Yeah, I can understand people feeling as though the, the damn sport is hard enough without chickens out on the field mm -hmm. and dogs in heat and all this other stuff. And it is difficult, but you need to consider, we'll get back to why you're doing the sport in the first place. Yeah. Are you doing it because you enjoy training your dog and you want to do well with your dog? Or is it just about the ribbons and yeah. just about and with that said, winning? 
what does your dog look like with chickens when it's just out walking on the street? Like, is it lunging at chickens there? Would it run away off your property after chickens? Because these are all safety issues also. Like, that's another thing to consider. I get that in the ring that seems unfair, but the higher level of training that we adhere to, the better off we're going to be, at least in this country, with dogs and dog training in the situation we're in. Because right now, the bar is set so low that it's almost a little bit concerning this day and age. It concerns me a little much. With the dog sports, because that's really what I default to when it comes from the sports side of it, I can remember um, on more than one occasion, the dog going down for a face attack in a trial, a new dog, a younger dog, and the judge is right out there by the decoy. He might be 30 feet 25, 30 feet from the decoy, and the dog all of a sudden locks in on the judge and wants to go down and bite the judge. And uh, I've seen it where the decoy has jumped in front of the judge to save the judge from getting bit. But that's because the dog in that picture in training, uh, there's only one guy down there to yeah. bite. There's always one guy down there to bite. So if there's, he's pick, if there's two, then it's one of those two. It doesn't matter which one. Yeah. So little things like having other people on the field and again, it goes back to having control of your dog because if he's going towards the wrong person, you should be able to just call him right off and have him come back to you. And yeah, most people no, think about that as a very advanced exercise, calling yeah. your dog off of the person they're going to bite. Yeah, we even say that with toys. And I think Susan sure. Garrett is one of the first people I've seen do this. But like, if you're throwing the ball for your dog and your dog just drives that toy, drives that toy, drives that toy... If you can't call the dog off of that toy, what the heck is going to happen if you throw the toy and it rolls into the street? Like, you're going to lose your dog now? Like, anything that is your dog's most fun thing in the world, like your highest distraction, and I'm fortunate um, in my life because normally the highest distraction for me is Scott. Like, I can do anything with my dogs whenever, but they like to play with him most. He's the most fun, everything. So well, I, I can use him you. as a distraction. If I walk in the room, she stops doing anything she was doing and it's just <laughs> oh, yeah. glassy eyed staring at me. With that. No, but really for, for my dogs, it's that, but you need to use these distractions to your advantage. So you're actually progressing your training and not just going through the motions. You know what I mean? How much do titles and ribbons and everything matter if the dog you have isn't in the proper headspace and isn't even safe when it's outside of the competition ring and the playing field and everything. And those things I think, and of course the dog has to really have a very deep understanding of the exercise itself, but this is the difference between a local trial mm-hmm. and going to nationals or yep. going to international competition. And being and being competitive. And, yeah, and being yeah. able to, you know, forget Not about being getting caught on, off guard. Forget about getting on the podium. Yeah. Just going out and, and doing respectably. Yeah. You know? Which is a lot this day and age. And yeah. you know, I, I've talked to a few different people about this because every sport is different, every organization is different, everything else. Um, and it seems like in hunting a lot and in these field tests, there's like a hard and fast rule that like bitches in season probably shouldn't even be on the showgrounds. It'll be too much. The dogs can't handle it, everything else. Sometimes I hear that dogs aren't even getting their entry fees back if the d- female does go into heat, which is like crazy. I, I don't know if that's actually happening, but I can't even imagine that. Then I'm considering dock diving, right? And I don't know, I'm not going to on my Chrissy so we can talk about human periods, but this is a thing. So like if you're swimming and you don't have a tampon in, I don't know. I don't know what actually goes on, but I don't think the whole freaking pool gets red and crazy. I'm not entirely sure. But with that said, for dock diving, what if dogs could wear pants on the dock 
jump. Obviously, it's the owner's responsibility to make sure that the dog can physically do all this stuff and it's comfortable with the pants and everything else, swims, and then is out of the pool. Like, I understand the scent being on the dock and everyone sitting in the same spot and everything else, but that might be something that could work for dock diving. I'm not sure. Agility, um, obedience, rally, all this stuff. Obviously, pants. Like, freaking put pants on your dog. They, they can act a little weird at first. Like, oh, this is strange. Then they work through it. Like wearing a jacket. Like wearing a vest. Like anything else. You just get the dog to deal with it. But we could start having an open discussion about these things rather than just eliminating them. Because well, I think pretty soon, the teenage dance at the local school, they're not going to love. The girls had a period. Or yeah. Now, they, oh, they can't oh. go to that dance because yeah, like it could be world, too crazy. What world are we living in, really? And this is the thing that comes up with animals. And I, you know, everybody thinks like, oh, well, like, don't, like, what happens with animals? And do they all just have sex and everything else? And I believe the dolphins are the only other animal that has, like, actual intercourse for pleasure. Yeah, besides us. But every other species, yes, there's mating season. You know, the the females are signaling, like, hey, we're ready. Like, knock us up. We're going to make more of us. And yes, in a primal setting, when there aren't humans there training these animals, it would be different. We have bred dogs to be man's best friend. Well, we have bred... They should live in a domestic environment. This domesticated animal, animal. Yes, and they should be trained by humans. It's not just the wild. It's not just a free-for-all. Like There is a legitimate structure with this. So I wish that we could just open up the conversation more rather than start to just cut everybody off. And there's been a lot of bitch in this year about you know, dogs that are bred, that don't have titles, and they have no sense of being bred. Well, how is this going to help if now we're actually telling you that two times a year, even if it's a big event, if your dog goes into heat, you need to stay home. And if you don't have a male dog to compete with, then you just need to stay home and wait it out. Like, that's crazy. We're going into this, like, whole new realm of where are we going? What are we doing? Who's driving the bus? Well, and and the opposite side of the coin here with the males, I had a... uh a friend, uh, uh, the son of a friend contact me last year whose, his male dog was intact and they had a female in heat on the property and his male got aggressive and bit him. And he was convinced it was because of the dog in heat, which I suspect it was, but I told him it was a training issue. It mm-hmm. wasn't about getting the dog neutered. And he went and got the, last I heard, he got the dog neutered because he was pissed that he took advice not to neuter his dog because it was better not to neuter the dog, which I'm anti-neuter if you're a responsible dog owner. I don't think there's any reason to do that. But he was convinced that it was because the dog wasn't neutered. That's why he got bit. And that what that's doing is taking responsibility off himself yeah. for training and working through that stuff. And it's a, it's tough. You know, it's a tough call. If you're not a professional trainer or you're not uh, experienced dealing with dogs that are neutered, and I'm talking about working dogs, you have, or any dog really, but typically a, a strong working dog, um, it's a lot of responsibility to have a dog intact. Yeah. You know, because they can get a mind of their own if they're not locked in. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing. Like, I've seen the argument before, like, oh, well, the females, they're too crazy. Like, everything else. That's a judgment call to make. Just like if you wake up for a trial one day and you're like, oh, I like, that was the, a fact. the dog looks a little sleepy. Oh, the dog looks a little off, like not fully limping. But these are all judgment calls that you make. So if you think, wow, like, my female isn't behaving properly today, 
then you don't compete the dog as the owner. It's not all about the trial and the competition and the ribbons and the awards and the trophies. Like there's, we're kind of, we need to be looking at this from a different perspective because these dogs now are being asked to stay home because other people can't train through a distraction. And that's the bottom line of what's happening. And there are females in heat at many venues. Often people don't realize their dogs are in heat. They, they lie they, about it. They may be there just to observe. Yes, they exactly. Dog, this, that, and the if other they're thing. On the, yeah. If they're within 100 yards, your yeah. dog is going to know there's a yes. dog in heat there. So, like, it's happening. So why is it that six intact males can run perfectly and then your dog can't? And this breed thing comes up, right? Like, well, border collies are easier. And Scott even said, oh, my border collie is way easier to deal with than males. Our no, border I'm saying collies, my specific No, one. I understand. I, know, I understand. But, I, but it's true also. Like, yeah, border collies are easy to do a lot of things with. Like, it's it's... Pretty nice to own a border collie. That doesn't mean that terriers and bulldogs and malinois and everything else can't get there. It's the same as other types of training. Well, you may have to work a little bit harder with another breed. With my dog, Jimmy, it's a good thing windshield wipers don't pop up on the field. Because <laughs> I think I'd lose him right there. He'd be fucking chasing no, we gotta, windshield wipers. we got to train through those as a distraction. And yes, every dog is different. But distraction training is where it's at, you guys. And just like when everybody's like, hey, I need a bitch in season so I can collect my mail. Maybe we say, hey, I need a bitch in season to come to club today so we can work all the dogs. And that doesn't mean that you have to up your level of compulsion or even use compulsion. It just means you're doing distraction training with another distraction that now happens to be the female in heat. So it doesn't mean that everything we've said here today needs to be doctrine. I know we will ruffle a lot of feathers and a lot of people out there feel very strongly that bitches in season should never be allowed anywhere and it's not fair to the males and everywhere else. But like, Jesus effing Christ, it's been a hard year. Like, let's move it along where we should be headed, not kind of going back into the stone ages. Like, this is crazy. This is like becoming like reproductive rights with dogs. It's insane. It's too well, much. In the in the French ring, which again, that's what I'm the most familiar with, uh, if there was a dog in heat there, they typically would run the last dog of the day mm-hmm. as a courtesy to everybody else. Yeah. But the thing is, the dog is still there and dog probably was out on that field the day before also. And I understand you know, and for agility, we can't do that. Like, I know that that's how they do it in ring and it makes more sense, but Scott is right. That dog was on open field. It is very difficult to show up to a French ring trial for those of you not at all familiar with protection sports and never have seen that field before and have the dog do all the behaviors. It's like a very long program. There's a lot of things about the field the dog has to become acquainted with. Every field looks differently. It's a totally different sport. So yes, obviously with agility, we have various jump heights, various classes, various things going on throughout the day, who's competing where, everything else. So no, you can't have the dogs running last and it won't work. Pick up some pants. And it could be. Cody's Haven, pick up some pants. Measure nicely, get a design you like. In the agility field, it could be that your dog happened to go into heat that day or the day before, like you didn't even know it. Yeah. And now you have a dog on the field that isn't heat, but it was, an, it was just, yeah. you and didn't realize I it. I mean, it's easier to see the swelling and the bleeding and the standing heat and everything else and yada, 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 yada. But like, this is going to detract people from getting females. This is going to detract people from training females to a higher level in every single dog sport. That is not what we want. Like That is not what we want to head. And why don't we just train, train? We say this a lot, but we can train, train your dog. Yeah, <laughs> we can we can train for a lot of things. If it's because the dogs are neat, I'd like to see the dog do it with hot dogs. That's where we stand. 
And if it's a big issue, yeah, you should be training it just for the sake of distraction training. Yes. You know? Yes. Distraction training is huge. That's all we do. We do distraction training all the time, out in the world, everything else. And this is why half the pet dogs don't even go for walks. They just go to daycare and have dog walkers and everything else because it's too much of a pain in the ass to work through distraction training. But when you do, life gets really good really quick. So just do a little bit of training, you guys. And on that note, we will see you next week. We're going to do preparing for Thanksgiving because we're all going to be back together again. It's going to be exciting. And we have some really fun things in store for December. So have a great Wednesday. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. I'm doing my pink pig. I'm representing. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.